Welcome back to Revelation on Demand podcast, podcast interested in what the Bible has to say about our lives today. Join us as we see what revelations we can find today. I'm your host, Justin D. Myers, and I'm joined today as usual by Mr. Chris Hess. How are you doing, buddy? Hey, brother. I'm doing good. I'm doing good. Life's going good. A lot of work That's, in my life right yeah. now, and God's just with me every step of the way. Yeah, yeah. Talking about God being with us, a little bit of an update on what's been going on literally after we got done recording our podcast and I last or two weeks ago and I got it all edited and ready for upload. Uh, I had to end up taking my wife to the hospital for uh, blood clots in her leg from complications between just having a baby and COVID. And we spent the entire weekend, which I get a three-day weekend every other week, which is why we have this recording schedule. Uh, we spent the entire weekend in the hospital, but she's home. She's doing much better. The only thing that we have to do is give her a blood thinner shot twice a day, which kind of sucks, but we're getting used to it. So, Oh, no way. Yeah. Yeah, it's they don't want any more blood clots to form. So since she's had COVID and she uh, uh, just had gotten over from having a baby, you know, uh, that increases your clotting chance. So that's why she's on the thinner. And uh, right, that also helps going on right there. dissipate some of those clots as well. Oh yeah, but they they had to do a surgery and go in and actually remove the clots. There were so many, so. Wow. Uh, yeah, no, it was it was uh interesting. So it was it was a rough weekend, especially after you as if you've been listening, I talked about my dad last time. He's making a miraculous recovery like they're talking about or they're not talking about. They're going to switch him to outpatient uh rehab next week on Thursday. So he's going home like he's up and walking around and, and can take care of himself well enough that the rehab facility thinks he should be going home instead of staying there. So uh, anyone that was praying for that, thank you because the prayers have been miraculous and every day he, he reconnects more words. So what happens when you have a stroke is that there's damage that's caused to the brain and your brain has to rewire right. to that section. So it takes a little while, especially when he had it on the left side, right where his speech, the speech center is in the brain, sure. which is why his physical recovery has been so miraculous, but his speech is slowly getting back. So good. Uh, I wanted to share a little bit of what I thought about after having, you know, a confirmed case of COVID, I, I would highly suggest if you are sure you haven't had COVID, go get the shot. Cause everyone I've seen who has the shot does much better and not the single shot, which causes blood clots, but the one that you have to get in two doses. So, right. I, uh, um, one of them that's highly recommended and that's probably uh, the most ethical is the Moderna, right? Yeah, I think I think doing do your own research, double check this. I think the Moderna were the ones using trying to use ethical stem cells. So uh, if that is something that bothers you, then I think that one is safe. Don't quote me on it. You know, do your own research. I can't remember exactly, but I think you're right. I think that's the one. But as far as if you've had it and you've gotten through it, I don't know. I'm, I'm wrestling with the idea of actually getting the vaccine, you know. I'm even wrestling with the idea of getting a flu vaccine this year just because, I don't know, uh, they don't seem to work. I always seem to get the flu a few months after getting the flu vaccine because they always have the wrong strain. So, I don't know. And <laughs> I'm wrestling with that personally. So. But you'll get microchipped and you'll shoot lasers out of your eyes. Well, I don't think they're they're. I think the vaccines. It's really hard to get a microchip in a vaccine. Yeah, when you think about the logistics of it, because they'd have to hide it in the needle. And uh, most vaccines are given with what's called the hypodermic needle, which means it doesn't matter where they stick you as long as they catch you in in the fleshy part of your 
of your body anywhere, which I've become very accustomed to this hypodermic needle because that's what we have to give candor shots with is it's way too small for modern microchips. Like even the smallest modern microchips couldn't fit in that. So if if you've ever seen aliens, (laughs) I guess maybe, but if you ever seen like a a tracking ship that they put in pets, it's a pretty big thing. Like, yeah, yeah, definitely. It it looks like a small pill compared, but it's, it would not fit in a hypodermic needle. No, so of course not. I I don't think they could do something (laughs) like that unless you're right. It's nanobots, which I guess maybe, but I'd be so excited about it. Yeah. And then for the people who are worried about a the the mRNA vaccine, I actually looked into that and my doctor told me exactly how it happens. So what they do is they take the spike protein from the coronavirus and they uh they they cut that out. So what a spike protein does is it's a protein that on the virus that connects to your cells uh, outer shell, and, all and that that's stuff. what lets yeah that that's what lets the the virus get into the cell to inject its DNA and start you know taking over the cell to produce more viruses. So, <clears throat> excuse me. So it's not they're just injecting you with the spike protein. You're not there's no DNA going into your cells or anything like that. Uh, and they've been working on this this type of vaccine for the flu for 10 years now. And the whole idea behind it is it doesn't get you as sick as a normal vaccine does. Your body always has a, a, a pretty strong reaction to vaccines. I mean, some people have stronger reactions than others because it is an actual pathogen and whether it's dead or alive, which is what the majority of vaccines are, uh, which is your body gross. reacts to fight it. Very. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but your your body reacts to fight it, and that's how you get sick. It's not you're sick. It's your body's defense system being kicked online. That's why you can feel sick for a day or two after getting a vaccine. So the spike, this, this mRNA vaccine is supposed to be a lot less side effects like that. You're not supposed to get nearly as sick as you would with a normal vaccine. So, right. You know, I'm struggling with that. I'm I'm doing the research on that. That's something that's between me and God and, you know, should be between our listeners and, and God on whether they should or not. But as far as if you haven't had this, this virus, it was two weeks of hell. Like, save yourself. So, because everyone I know that got vaccinated was sick for like only three days. It was like a bad cold. Yeah, mine I mean, was I, more than a bad cold. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, science level because you are getting that ribonucleic acid um, to interpret into your DNA prior to. Yeah, well, we can get into all that sometime. <laughs> it's Bible reading time. All right. So last time we talked about the writing on the wall, Daniel chapter five. Correct. And we seen and we seen this this prideful king and this arrogant king. You know, he was having a party during a siege, uh, and and God confronts him because he finally, you know, sinned in a way that God couldn't handle anymore, and uh, decided that he would send him a message. Daniel was brought out to interpret that message. This is the only king that we see Daniel, you know, talk to in a way that's disrespectful because he felt very. Uh, disrespected by this king for using the sacred objects in such a disrespectful way. So, uh, Belshazzar, his name is Belshazzar. Yeah, Belshazzar. Yes. Yes. So, <laughs> yeah, see, I, I did it. But so after after this whole incident with Daniel telling him you're going to lose your kingdom, like a few hours later, Darius the Mede. You know, invaded the city. And as we talked, we think this is the invasion where they blocked up the rivers to get under the water gates. So. What do we need to know going into today's episode? Yes. So today we're going to be focusing on that king that just took over Babylon. So this, this chapter happens pretty quickly 
after Daniel chapter 5. So it's only been about a year or so. Uh, Darius may have been the only one in charge. There's some question as to whether he was only in charge of Babylon or if he was in charge of the entire empire of Babylon. Like if he was just in charge of the city as a governor or if he was in charge of the whole empire. There's oh. that. Okay. There's there's question of that historically. In the text, as we're going to read, it sounds like he is the ruler of the entire nation of Babylon. That so, makes more sense, because I knew yeah. it was a city and a nation and an yeah. empire. Yeah, this is so confusing to me for the longest time. Okay, I got it now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's it seems like he is a, a pretty powerful king, and as we'll see here in the first section, he's He's building his 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 um, government pretty much to to take care of this region, and that's what we will focus on, as well as the Den Lions. Would you be yes. so kind to read? Oh yeah, so kind to read Daniel book six or chapter six. It's not six books of Daniel. Forget I said that first thing. All right. Why don't we start reading? Daniel chapter six from verse one. It pleased Darius to appoint 120 satraps to rule throughout the kingdom with three administrators over them, one of whom was Daniel. The satraps were made accountable to them so that the king might not suffer loss. Now Daniel so distinguished himself among the administrators and satraps by his exceptional qualities that the king planned to set him over the whole kingdom. At this, the administrators and the satraps tried to find grounds for charges against Daniel and his conduct of government affairs, but they were unable to do so. They could know they could find no corruption in him, because he was trustworthy and neither corrupt nor negligent. Finally, these men said, we will never find any basis for charges against a man, Daniel, unless it has something to do with the law of his God. So what is a satrap? Which, by the way, that's satrap, not satrap. Uh, um, these satraps are the people who are in charge of collecting tribute and uh, providing security for people. So I think uh, a cultural r- reference for what these people are would be kind of like the sheriff of Nottingham, these these kind of guys who come through uh, and demand taxes, and, and, and they are supposed to take care of the security of the people in the area that they're appointed to. But uh, as you know, some of them become corrupt and will not provide the best protection to people in the area. Um, they're not necessarily people who are like making all the big decisions on what to do with each area. That would probably be, you know, Daniel's job and the other two administrators. So these 120 satraps are put under Daniel and two other administrators, which are never named. Uh, but as we see, Daniel served uh, Dan, uh, Darius well and it impressed him. And he's gained, as we know, a lot of skill in governance and you know leading people from his time with Nebuchadnezzar. Because from the very first you know run-in he had with Nebuchadnezzar, he impressed him, and right away he was one of these administrators. And whether he had the you know skill at the time to do it or not, he learned very quickly. So at this point, Daniel's a much older man. And, uh, yeah, it's been, it's been quite a while since he was first brought to Babylon. Uh, uh, I was almost going to say from Bethlehem, from Jerusalem. (laughs) Yes. Excuse me. (laughs) From Bethlehem. Anyway, think of the song Jerusalem. Yes. It's been, 20 to 30 years after that. And we are several Kings down the line. Uh, yeah. Justin had to explain this to me one day and like how many Kings had passed just from Nebuchadnezzar to Darius 
or not no the uh-huh. guy before Darius uh, Belshazzar, what yeah. the guys we were just talking about, and it was like a, a numerous four or something like that. And yeah. over a very short was, period of time, it would stay games. with one, and then it was four. Yeah, it was four. It was in two assassinations and two. Uh, what what do you call them? Uh, sessions. You know, someone just died of other causes or was deposed or something like that. Oh, but two, two people two were assassinated. They just, they just died. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and then the assassinations. Of course, we can't have yeah. the ancient worlds without. We can't have the with the old world or the ancient history of this planet without a lot of assassinations going on. Mm-hmm. Can you imagine if that was the way to ascend? The government today, like in America, I know it is in some places around the world, like you can assassinate the dictator and become the dictator. But I mean, like, what if America to become a congressman, you had to assassinate a congressman? Just thinking. <laughs> I mean, why does that suddenly make Congress a lot of so much more interesting? I mean, not to a positive appeal, oh. just... <laughs> Uh, Congress battle royale. <laughs> yes. Oh, dude, I'm not mm. saying we need that, but my day would be so much less boring when I tune on the news. <sighs> Anyways, so the satraps didn't really like Daniel. Again, we get back to this. He's a Jew, and and we have this racism against Jews from the Babylonians, and so a lot of these satraps are not happy. It could have been a lot. It could have been a lot. Could have been a few. You know how the loud minority is. But anyways, they don't like him, so they start digging on him, and they can't find anything. The only thing they find is his devotion to his God. So every day, right. Daniel's praying over and over and over to his God, and he refuses to worship any other God but our God. Which is so this is. Good. That's why we yeah. love Daniel. Yeah, no, he's a he's a very pious and righteous man, especially for a period in the Old Testament where they don't have all the the end time answers that we have, you know. So that they they realize that if they're going to get him, this is the only way they can get him because this is the only thing he is like so steadfast on. Otherwise, he follows the laws of the of the country, and he doesn't do anything corrupt. He's not taking any bribes from anyone. He's just doing his job as if he's serving God. So, absolutely, he's, he's we, our guy. He's our Daniel guy. Yeah, yeah. Shall <laughs> we read the next little section? Absolutely. So these administrators and satraps went as a group to the king and said, May King Darius live forever. The royal administrators, prefects, satraps, advisors, and governors have all agreed that the king should issue an edict and enforce the decree that anyone who prays to any god or human being during the next 30 days, except to you, your majesty, shall be thrown into the lion's den. Now, your majesty, issue the decree and put it in writing so that it cannot be altered in accordance with the law of Medes and Persians, which cannot be repealed. So King Darius put the decree in writing. Right. So here we see the satraps enacting their their cunning plan to to get... uh, Daniel killed, really, is what they're after. So in the the Medan Persian culture, when a king signs a law, it couldn't be revoked. So there's no, like, oh, I can just sign another law to, you know, nullify that law. It was not allowed. There's no such thing as an amendment. Yes. So he can't amend a law once it's, it's, it's signed. And Throughout this, we see, well, when the king reacts to what happens, we we see that he has this kind of relationship with Daniel that you'd think he would have thought of that when these guys brought him this this proposition. You know, they'd be like, wait a minute, Daniel worships his god every day and he never worships any other gods. Maybe this is going to affect him. 
you know, this is one of his closest advisors. Like you'd think, you think he'd he'd know what was up, but I guess maybe this is one of those things where they were, you know, having him sign something else, like to help bolster and unify Babylon since the Persian Empire, the Medo Persian Empire just took it over. So they're thinking, hey, you know, if we do this worship thing for a month, it should help unify Babylon, you know, and, and this is probably how they sold it to the king. And the king just, you know, completely didn't think about Daniel in this, which is weird for how he reacts to what's about to happen. Well, yeah. I mean, we all make mistakes, right? I mean, some of us are yeah. just like, oh, sure, have, an, have the entire nation I roll over, pray for me. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Not pray for me, but pray at me. I can answer your yeah. prayers now. Yeah. Yeah, no, he was literally to be worshipped like a god, which, you know, in this time, god kings were fairly common. It was common to to say you're a god when you're a king so that you have, you know, a right to rule on the throne. Uh, So this was a very, very common practice. The reason reason they, they do this for 30 days is they're trying to be... They're, they're trying not to rise suspicion from the king, which is probably part of the reason he didn't realize what was going on. So they, they said a month because all they had to do is say, hey, here's one day. Say, this is the day that you worship me as a king. And they could have gone and caught Daniel praying to his God on that day because Daniel would still go pray to God, you know. So all they had to do was one day. But they did it for 30 days so that it would be less conspicuous that they're trying to target Daniel at this. So, Absolutely, yeah. But my only other question is how many other Jews in, like, how many righteous Jews in, in Babylon got caught up in this decree? <laughs> like, you yeah. know, that we only hear about Daniel because that is the, the focus of the story. But, like, how many, how many just, you know, regular Jews who are devout, and prayed to God every day, got caught up in this because the Jews are still very much in Babylon. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, 100%. They all came over around the same time that, um, around the same time that, um, I was almost going to say that, uh, uh, Daniel's, um, Babylonian name, which is Belteshazzar. We had really, I made a mm-hmm. super lame joke last time about it. Anyway, <laughs> that Daniel, Around the same time that Daniel was brought over to Babylon. Wait, where yeah. is Babylon geographically? It is in uh, Turkey. Would have uh, been the okay. what's called Asia Minor. It's where my, modern day Turkey is. It's right along that coast, butting up to uh, to Israel, pretty much. I knew. I knew it so was close Babylon to Israel. was a very large. Yeah. I just wanted to know Babylon like, was a very large be. empire. Yeah, well, uh, again, uh-huh. go figure. I mean, the, if you think about it, the Romans went from Italy to the UK, and you no, know, <laughs> yeah, all the um, way into the Asia's. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so this this was a large empire, and if you're looking at a map, it's where the area where modern day Turkey is. I don't think you can find a city still named Babylon, but. I think it's it's very much in that that Middle Eastern setting, over where the Fertile Crescent is, the place where uh, people believe Eden may have been. So, huh. interesting. All right. Yeah. Sounds good with me. Yeah. Shall we read the next section, starting at verse ten? Yes, we are starting at verse ten, not book four hundred and forty-three. I mean, chapter. Is that verse 10, guys? Now, when Daniel learned that the decree had been published, he went home to his upstairs room where the windows opened toward Jerusalem. Three times a day, he got down on his knees and prayed, giving thanks to his God, just as he had done before. Then these men went as a group and found Daniel praying and asking God for help. So they went to the king and spoke to him about his royal decree. Did you not publish a decree that during the next... 30 days, anyone who prays to any god or human being except you, your majesty, would be thrown into the lion's den? 
The king answered, The decree stands in accordance with the law of the Medes and Persians, which cannot be repealed. Then they said to the king, Daniel, who is the exiles, who is... And they said to the king, Oh, yes. Then they said to the king, Daniel, who is one of the exiles from Judah, pays no attention to you. Your majesty or the decree you put in writing. Yes, he still prays three times a day. When the king heard this, he was greatly distressed. He was determined to rescue Daniel and made every effort until sundown to save him. So, quick breakdown of that. Uh, the wording kind of got complicated a little, little bit. Is that we're talking about um, basically the authorities have brought it to Daniel's attention, or the, the um, excuse me, Darius's attention that they knew about Daniel, and now Darius had ran all over the place, like going, "Oh no, no, no!" So I I, I don't know why I had to interrupt that, but <laughs> I just thought I'd address that. Um, last little bit from this little section was, then the men went as a group to King Darius and said to him, remember your majesty that according to the law of the maids and Persians, no decree or edict that the king issues can be changed, which we were just talking about. Yeah. So here we see the king's reaction to this. And uh, I, I do believe that, so this is one of those places where he, he didn't really think about the ramifications of what law he did. But we see that he, he really, really treasures Daniel at least as one of these these advisors. And, and he actually cares about the, the, uh, the well-being of Daniel. And I know that some people, like, you can read this, this section... Like he's sarcastic about Daniel and, and what's coming up, but I, I really don't see that in this section. I feel like this is a man. I mean, he's a king. He, he's a the king of a large nation. Like, why would he care so? Like, why would he go out of his way to try and stop this from happening? You know, find a loophole, find some way that he could stop Daniel from getting thrown into the lion's den. Uh, could have been guilt, I guess, you know, he didn't want to kill a truly innocent man, but by their laws that he just passed, he's not an innocent man. You know, he's guilty of this. So I just don't see, you know, Darius thinking sarcastically towards Daniel. I see this as he really, really appreciates what Daniel does for him. So mm-hmm. that was my initial thinking as well. Yeah, yeah. So we see that Daniel kneels three times a day, and this is one of those areas where Jews point to for the the uh, what do you call that? The ritual or the practice? Wow, practice. Yes, thank you. The practice of of praying three times a day and kneeling towards uh, Jerusalem. Uh, Jerusalem. So this yes. Is, yes, this is one of those sections where where the Jews point to, and uh, also very, very similar to the um, Muslim practice of praying five times a day towards Mecca. Right, uh, that's a little different. It yeah, is a little yeah, different. It's, that's it's, part of their five pillars of Islam and stuff like that. But uh-huh. yeah, yeah, that's that's something different. But this is one of those sections where the Jews point to praying three times a day. You know, morning, noon, and night where they, they pray towards Jerusalem and uh, they have a, a very rote prayer. And I'm sure there's a, a place in there for them to make it more personal. Uh, I, I personally kind of like our Christian form of being, you know, a lot more loose with the rules of prayer and, and just kind of the, the way I treat it is that everything, every thought that I go through my mind, I try and, and say, I try to think, okay, God, what, what do you want to do with this thought? You know, kind of, I, I do try to take my thoughts captive as some scripture has told us to do. So I feel like prayer for me is not so structured. It's more just kind of, as I think of something, I try and pray about it. 
if, if something comes across my mind or someone for that matter, like, especially when someone random comes across my mind, I, I really do try to pray for that person or, or whatever that thing is that I'm thinking about. So I, I definitely think that, you know, structured prayer like this could be good and beneficial for people. I know a lot of people who say I, I have like a structured time first thing in the morning where I pray and that's wonderful. And, and they get so much out of it, which is great. I just, I'm so disorganized that I don't think something like that would help, but um, I do do it a little differently. So anyways, we see the satraps use that same demeaning language that King, <laughs> yeah, right. That same demeaning language that Belshazzar used when he addressed Daniel, you know, calling him one of the exiles, you know, this is, this is a common way of them referring to the Jews in a slightly derogatory fashion, like reminding them you're not part of this empire sort of thing. And of course the Jews were probably more than happy to say, yeah, I'm not part of this empire. Like I don't, I don't want to be part of you. I'm here because my God sent me here, you know? Right. <clears throat> so the, the sundown thing, typically in the Medo Persian culture, they would, uh, if someone was a charge with the crime, they would get a trial that night, which the king or satrap or administrator would sit over. Of course, since this is one of the administrators, this is the king's duty to sit over this trial. And of course, since the king can't find any loopholes, uh, he has to send Daniel to the lion's den and seal it. And he can come out in the morning if he survives, you know. And this is hinted at several times in the next section where where Darius is, is talking about, you know, uh, may your God deliver you. So, Yes, sir. You got anything to add on that? Well, okay. So with a lot of that, I would just, I, plain and simple, to me, it's like, you know, a person plays time and event. You know, you, mm-hmm. you got a lot of options for yourself, right? The modern world. I, I've been talking mm-hmm. about ancient culture all day. I keep repeating ancient. But in this society, yeah. you just structurally speaking, it really affects you on a personable level with how everything is formatted, right? So mm-hmm. if you really think about how it grinds down to exactly what this would implicate for these individuals it's all boiled down to the system that basically controls them what i love about daniel so much is he always so far thus far and every time i've gone through this book in previous years or have been referenced to it is that he's so outspoken and stands he stands out as a figure that pretty much lets you know that you're not bound by not that you're not bound by the rules of this world. It's more of you're not bound by limitations that are going to prevent you from creating a connection with God or, you know, yeah. God's power itself. Nothing in this world is going to limit God's power. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that, that brings up a nice point that uh, this is one of the places in the Bible that we can point to that you can, you can, uh, refuse or resist a unrighteous law that asks you to do something that would be against God. So in this case, uh, we're, we're not supposed to worship any other God, but uh, Yahweh and Daniel realizes that. So when this law comes down, he's like, uh, doesn't matter. I'm going to continue worshiping my God because that's what I am called to do. So, we see, we see this as one of those places and, you know, that's, this is a heated debate among Christians today. What, what laws are we allowed to, you know, essentially ignore and say, no, I've got to do this for, because of my belief or my conviction. Uh, so we, we see, see a lot of this today, but Daniel very clearly shows us that it's only if the law demands us to break a commandment that we worship God with in some way, like uh, worshiping another God or denying God for that matter, denying Jesus. These sort of laws are the laws that we are allowed to break 
without being in sin. So, right. Yes, absolutely. Nothing, nothing about a vaccine mandate or those sort of things. That's again, between you and God sort of things. Yes, actually. Yeah. So well, very well put. Be so kind to please read from verse 16. Yes, sir. That's not part of it. <laughs> anyway, verse 16. So the king gave the order, and they brought Daniel and threw him into the lion's den. The king said to Daniel, May your God, whom you serve continuously, or continually, rescue you. A stone was brought and placed over the mouth of the den, and the king sealed it with his own signet ring, and with the rings of his nobles, so that Daniel's situation might not be changed. Then the king returned to the palace and spent the night without eating or and without entertaining or entertainment being brought to him, and he could not sleep, ideally. At the first light of dawn, the king got up and hurried to the lion's den. When he came near the den, he called to Daniel in an anguished voice, Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God whom you serve continually been able to rescue you from the lions? Daniel answered, May the king live forever. My God sent his angel, and he shut the mouth of the lions. They have not hurt me, because I was found innocent in his sight, nor have I ever done any wrong before you, your majesty. The king was overjoyed and gave orders to lift Daniel out of the den. When Daniel was lifted from the den, no wound was found on him, because he had trusted in his God. At the king's command, the men who had falsely accused Daniel, were brought in and thrown into the lion's den, along with their wives and children. And before they reached the floor of the den, the lions overpowered them and crushed all their bones. Yeah. So, pretty uh, pretty brutal ending there. <laughs> I mean, I was so relieved. I was like, hey! And then I forgot about that part. Yeah, I, right. I've heard of that verse before, specifically. And I'm like, oh, uh-huh. Yeah, and it, we may look at that with today's morals and be like, what, their family got thrown into for their mistake? Like, yeah, this was very common practice back in ancient times. It was especially to prevent, you know, like brothers or sons or daughters, or, well, sorry, brothers or sons, because daughters didn't do this sort of thing in these days. Brothers or sons of the people who were being punished from coming back and, uh, you know, having vengeance or, you know, plotting to take over the kingship or, or whatever. So often a family, the corporate punishment would, would go on to the family too. You're like, wait, what about the women? Yeah. Yeah. It, it counted them all because it counted the household. So very much so the man of the household back in these days was, had a very, very large responsibility. If he did something wrong, he could very well end up getting his whole family nixed off the face of the earth. So uh, it sounds brutal to us today, but it was commonplace back then. Uh, Yeah, whatever. Yeah. (laughs) So uh, Darius didn't sleep that night, or at least couldn't get much sleep. He, you know, didn't eat, didn't drink. He he was basically fasting and, and, you know, kind of praying. Of course, he's not praying to God. He's just like, gosh, I hope Daniel's all right. You know, like this really grieved him, which is why I have a hard time saying that he was being sarcastic towards Daniel when he puts him in the pit. That last statement that that, like everything they've said about Darius so far, was like, he's such a joker. Yeah, no, no. I think he really does care about Daniel. And of course, Daniel is like, you know, this is your law. This is the punishment. I will accept the punishment. I'm not, I'm innocent and my God will deliver me. You know, like Daniel's just cool about this. He's like, yep, I'm not, I'm not worried about it. And, uh, so we see the, the ceiling with the ring and all that. Uh, again, a very common practice. If you needed to seal, uh, some sort of barrier, the King would, would put this wax seal on it in a way that if you moved it or something like that, the wax seal would probably break. So, uh, we see that Daniel spent the entire night in there. And, you know, I was just thinking about it as you're reading again. Do you think he was like in there and the, and the cats were like, like 
loving on them and just, you know, getting pets and stuff like that? Or do you think that they were, you know, still hungry and wanted to get them, but the angel of the Lord just stood between Daniel and the cats and, and the cats refused to get anywhere near Daniel because of the, you know, angel of the Lord that was there, you know? Yeah, exactly. Cause we, we've seen, we see mostly, you know, Daniel's in there just chilling with the cats. Like we don't see the often depicted the, the cats are pacing back and forth and they want to eat Daniel, but they're not allowed to by this angel or this daemon as we've called them before, which also brings into question, is this, is this, you know, God himself there, or is this pretty typical imagery for the old Testament where we see a angel or daemon, you know, doing God's bidding by being sent to him. I mean, we see him with Abraham. We've seen him with, with many other you know, old Testament people who, who have interacted with God and have had some angel or some being come and visit them and either protect them or deliver a message. And we even seen that in, in, the book uh, of Daniel, yeah, just not that yeah. long ago in a few chapters, yeah. but um yeah. with the with the pit of fire. Yeah. Yeah. So Daniel isn't upset with Darius over all this, uh, you know, falsely accused and falsely uh at least falsely attempted to be executed. Uh but Daniel doesn't seem very upset with Darius over this, you know. And and uh he I don't think he really wanted the guys who 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 uh, accused him of this to to get destroyed in the way they do. But I, I think this is just Darius venting his rage because he was tricked. You know, he he signed this order into law deceitfully. You know, these guys were were trying to get Daniel and and they failed. So I think this is just him. Uh, you know turning that anger back on the guys who, who lied to him essentially. And just to, as if to put a fine point on it, these guys like are dead before they even hit the den of the, the den floor. So these lions are like catching them as they're thrown in and killing them, them and their Ugh. families. Yeah. So, so as if like to so put a fine fun. point on as how dangerous it was where Daniel was, these, these lions are, are famished and, and probably a little upset that they were kept from eating Daniel because the way they kept lions in these dens is they would, they would malnourish them. They wouldn't feed them very much. They keep them alive, but they keep them very hungry so that they could execute people in this manner. And it, so, so you can cuddle up with them and, you know, play yeah, with no. cats. So like that, that's, that's, so I think that might be a mis- misrepresentation of of how Daniel spent the night in the lions den. I don't I don't think it was so so calm. I think the the lions were hungry and the da- and the daemon just stood there between him and the lions and the lions of course being God's creatures when they see uh you know a messenger from God and I said this before on this message or on this uh podcast animals do as God say without thinking they, they just do as they're commanded. So, I mean, you know, this, this daemon is from God. It was sent to protect him and he did. And of course we see that the, the evildoers at least are getting their just dessert. Maybe it's a little brutal that their whole family gets it, but uh, we yeah. see that justice is done. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Overall, good day, bad day. Bad day for someone yeah. else, but good day for the believers. Yes, yes. And Darius, so. you know, if you think about it, in all seriousness, we had to look at Nebuchadnezzar, uh-huh. how much it took for him to start believing. Uh, how negligent Belshazzar was, where to the point where, like, there was no saving grace, even for him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, because he was just that arrogant. Um, God really tries to put you know, these kings in a situation with Daniel where they're like almost codependent on him of like, mm-hmm. you know, like I need to know more about this. Like a very good uh, way of associating God into their lives because they're such uh, mm-hmm. metaphysical people, I would say in their beliefs, but yeah. 
Yeah, and, and just to see the difference in the way these three kings, like you said, Nebuchadnezzar took four entire chapters to realize who the God of Yahweh is, and Darius did it in one. So as as we're about to see in this final section, when he when he makes a decree about our God, and uh, yeah, it's it's just the night and day difference between Darius and Nebuchadnezzar. So. We, we can see these kind of reactions even today, and we'll talk a little bit more about that as we finish out. Yeah, right. All right, well, might as well finish out here. Stay strong. It's the last section of the day. Starting from verse 25. Then King Darius wrote to all the nations and peoples of every language in all the earth, May you prosper greatly. I issue a decree that in every part of my kingdom people must fear and revere the God of Daniel. For he is the living God, and he endures forever. His kingdom will not be destroyed. His dominion will never end. He rescues and he saves. He performs signs and wonders in the heavens and on the earth. He has rescued Daniel from the power of the lions. So Daniel prospered during the reign of Darius and the reign of Cyrus the Persian. Yeah, so we we close out the history section of Daniel uh, with, with this... Um, this edict to fear Daniel's God, which, as we say, is Yahweh. This this edict to fear Yahweh. And as we see, this is that reaction where some unbelievers, when they're first met with Yahweh, whether it's, it's you know, they have some epiphany like Paul, or they are given the gospel in a manner by some other, you know, disciple, then we see these three main reactions. We see the person like Nebuchadnezzar, who's going to wrestle with this for years. He's, he's the guy who's going to go back and forth and be like, is he real? Is he there? Is it, should I worship him? Should I not? You know, we, and maybe right. there's, there's fits and in, in starts where he's like, yes, he's God and he worships him. And then he just kind of forgets to, he forgets the power of God and, oh. and, you know, it takes some major humbling thing to get these people to to finally see God for who he is. Then we have people like Belshazzar who, you know, they, they see the power of God. They, they, yeah, no, they, they literally see God act in some way. And it's like they just can't believe it. It's like, I don't believe in miracles. I don't believe that's possible. It's these people who just, you know, like, no. I, I see the evidence and I'm right, you know, and I know what's right. So, and then we see the people like Darius who, when they see the power of God, they're just like, yep, that's a God. That is the one true God. Uh, and then revere and, and fear him. I'd like to think that at this point, Darius, you know, would, would have become a, it, not a, not a, uh, not a, a Jew in the way of, of, of being, you know, part of the Jews. But I'd like to think that he at least would have been worshiping Yahweh instead of other gods at this point. And maybe, maybe, you know, not thinking himself so much of a God as, as other Kings before him. So it's just interesting to see this this narrative, this this first section, which at one point was thought to be a separate book from the next uh, six chapters, uh, it's interesting to see how we see how differently people can react to knowing who God is, and just to to be ready for that if you are sharing the gospel. You know, be ready for these very three distinct. Reactions, and of course, there's there's more nuance to it. The people aren't going to react like these kings did because they're not kings, but uh, we we definitely see that. And as we continue on in our our study of Daniel, we'll really be getting into more of the spiritual stuff because the last six chapters in Daniel are all about visions and in future prophecies. So uh, we're we're going to be connecting a lot of that back to Revelation. You know, our first study. And we'll we'll see where what's been fulfilled already, and what's yet to come, and in the discussions on whether you know those are right, because there's a lot of discrepancy on on different denominations and different theological studies that 
whether these have truly been fulfilled or partially fulfilled or if they have yet to be fulfilled. So mm-hmm. I'm really excited for the next six chapters. It's more, it's more, more in line with our wheelhouse, but we definitely had to go through this because we need to see that Daniel has a track record of being a prophet and that his prophecies are true. And so all the prophecies we've seen so far have been, you know, I mean, other than the, the, last part of the the statue prophecy which would happen in history uh we see that daniel is a hundred percent correct prophet he's he's been right all the time and as god tells us in other scripture if a prophet's wrong once they're not a prophet so well the prophecy of the bible i would say would have probably prevented that last phase we won't get into that now but yes Oh, we will get into it in the sections to come. Oh, really? Because no. there's 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 a lot of Daniel that John pulls on when he wrote Revelation. So we will mm, see a lot of similarity right. between a lot of these prophecies to come and Revelation, which I am very excited for because that is our wheelhouse. That is our name. That is our title. Whoa, go figure. <laughs> You got anything else to add? Uh, God bless all of y'all. Uh, we, as usual, we appreciate anyone that is listening. Have a good time. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we're, we're praying for all of you. And uh, yeah, comments, questions, or concerns. Like I said, um, I say mm-hmm. pretty much every episode. And Justin, make sure to cover at the end of the episode. You, you come and you know, you reach out to someone. You can contact us on our Gmail, mm-hmm. whatever the case may be. If you're in a if you're in we're a tough spot right now. Yeah, I'm not on the Facebook. I'm not on the social medias, but <laughs> yeah, that's right. I am though. They can get me. Yeah. All right. Thank you for listening to the Revelation on Demand podcast. Please like, share, and subscribe wherever you catch podcasts from. Please, if you like what we're doing, share this with a friend, family member, or someone from your church. It really helps. This is a completely private venture, and we receive no funding from any sources. If you have any comments, questions, or concerns, please feel free to contact us at revelationondemand at gmail.com. God bless, and see you next time.